Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to travel to Dublin, Ireland and we're going to talk to Stephen and we're going to talk about gold, silver and Bitcoin. All of this together in very jittery markets that we see this year are obviously a very important themes. They are very important in the long run as well. What can you do in this space and innovate? This is what Stephen will tell us about. So welcome. How are you today? I'm really well, Rudolf. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Brilliant. So, Stephen, tell us about your background. Are you a gold digger <laughs> or <laughs> are you a fan of blockchain or you're a corporate guy? How did you get to do what you do today? I've always had an interest in technology and growing up, like I was born in the early 70s, college in the 90s. And the internet was just starting off. I, I was fascinated by what it represented, how it would disrupt every industry and all of the, I suppose, the properties of an industry, like the things that define it. And usually geographical distance was a big factor in a lot of how, in how businesses worked in terms of how information moved and business was done. And I knew the internet was going to attack that geographical bias of industries. And so I remember in, in, in college being fascinated with this and trying to think which industries would change the most. I've always been that way orientated and I've never stopped. I'm, I'm always looking at disruption and how things can change and, and how industries are, are defined. Um, so I found myself in Wall Street after I, I qualified um, from college. Uh, and I moved there from Ireland and I worked in banks and I found myself working for quite by accident for a, a bank called Bankers Trust. They are no longer around bought by Deutsche Bank. But when they were bankers, I used to work there and my job was in the in a special area where we were changing the general ledger of the entire bank globally. And that was my first proper job. And it was incredible. So I got to see all these different product areas, bonds equities, Latin American markets, derivatives. And uh, I had to, I'd have to learn everything about a particular product area, interview everybody from the very top to the very bottom and help them redefine their business processes using this new general ledger. So it was the most incredible opportunity to learn. And I loved it. It was perfect. And I had a great mentor there in my boss and the team were great too. And then I went and moved to Goldman Sachs and I started working in their middle office and then their front office in equity derivatives and program trading. And, and that's where we buy huge baskets of stocks for uh, clients who want to get into the S&P 500, let's say, for a fund. And we'd buy it in like, slices throughout the day and, and using technology to send our orders and try to get the best possible price performance. So again, I worked with a great team, learned an awful lot and very much financial technology, found my way back to Ireland and set up in business with my old school friend, Mark. 
and who had set up a just a few months before had set up business the first one of the first in Ireland and he had figured out that the market was going to be looking for something like gold because it was back in 2002 and the there was the market overheating there was a huge amount of um, speculation happening he felt that gold would be needed as a safe haven asset and so it was a very kind of archaic industry and uh, so I love technology and I love disruption and and I set myself to work with Mark and we built uh, started started Goldcore and uh, and built it up from there and, uh, and it's been we've been in business now 18 years and we have a a good team here now and we're we're in 140 countries in terms of clients and we manage about 300 million in assets about about a billion dollars in turnover uh, we're growing at a great pace and we're moving into new markets and we have, we enjoy a, a fantastic relationship with our clients so we're very client focused and, and and really try to delight them and use technology to improve that experience that they have when they're when looking to buy something as unusual as gold and silver which for most people it's very unusual all right, we'll dive into this a bit more, but let's start at the very beginning. Of course, if you talk about 2002, and if some people maybe are not old enough, but this was after crash, you know, uh, dot com bubble crash uh, popped. So of course, that was a good time to think about the alternatives. But when you look at over the, those two decades and put that into perspective, why do you think people should own gold and silver? Well, yeah, it was actually 2004 I actually got involved. Mark set it up in 2003. The reason why people need to buy gold, it's it's a huge question. I suppose with technology, you can do things a lot faster. You can develop uh, technology. Life goes quicker and faster. The ups are are higher. The lows are lower in life and in industry. And uh, with globalization and and specialist uh, speciality of tasks where people can produce fantastic products made up of sub-products from all over the world that are engineered to a very high degree you get a really good consumer outcome in terms of products and services but you also you have a kind of a velocity of life in an economy which means that when things go bad they can go really bad and so gold and silver traditionally are, are, are well gold in particular and silver a little less so is the ultimate form of money it is actually money i would argue that it is the only form of actual money whereas you have a means of exchange a unit of value that is indisputable and over the history of man has always pretty much been there across cultures Everything else is really a currency attached to that ultimate form of money, and it can't be debased. So when you own, let's say if you had a 100 euros or 100 Swiss francs or $100 in your pocket, the value in the marketplace of those particular currencies is dictated um, by a number of factors. But most importantly, it's dictated by the central banks and governments, and they can devalue that money in your pocket just by their own policies, which is exactly what's happening now. That's where inflation is coming from. Inflation is not because of COVID. It's not because of war in, in, in anywhere in the world it's because of money being printed you can't print gold once you have that ounce of gold or that hundred euros worth of gold in your pocket it never ever um, loses value to printing or um excess supply so it's very finite it's a form of money it's a form of exchange that will, will always be with us and and that's why it's important in a portfolio statistically three to five percent is where you should have gold in your portfolio it's, a, it's an, a bellwether asset it'll perform a very useful function if everything else starts to fall which is what you're seeing today with the equity markets and the bond markets and and currencies in general they're all losing value dramatically and uh, and gold is is holding steady and i expect it to probably move up in price in the near future as well so it's a it's a form of financial insurance that re- that you that allows you to remove yourself from the financial system completely and that's incredibly powerful there's nothing else at all that does that 
Well, you know, but there are Bitcoin fans who would disagree. So what do you think about Bitcoin? And you basically said gold's main competitive advantage as an asset is limited or finite supply. So the Bitcoin is also designed this way. What do you think about that? What's your take on this? Well, I'm a huge fan of blockchain. Okay, which is the underlying technology of Bitcoin. I think that is transformative. It's a one in a thousand year technology. It really is. We're actually so lucky to be here at this time in human history to to witness the birth of blockchain and cryptographic ledgers. They will change absolutely everything in our lives. The entire value chain is going to be disrupted and there's huge opportunities for companies and to reinvent themselves and for disruption to come into the system providing value. Bitcoin as an expression of blockchain in the form of what it purports to be a curve, I would argue caution. It's an exciting use case. It really is. It's cool to see a a decentralized ledger operating out of the financial system driven by the the public at large. And that's great. And it's great. It's great to be welcomed. But it's not being used as a currency in day-to-day transactions. It's extremely expensive. It's very slow. It's already antiquated as a clearing mechanism, and it's been usurped by other cryptographic currencies such as Ethereum and, and, and the like already. And they will, in turn, will be uh, usurped as well by the next technology. To me, I don't see currencies are an extension of political power, and governments will never give any real power to the public in that regard. They need to control currencies in order to manage policy, financial policy, fiscal policy. And uh, and I think uh, once central bank digital currencies are produced, it, very quickly they will do all they can to destroy cryptocurrencies in the broader market. They're probably in the fringe. They won't be able to do that. But I do think 99% of uh, transactions will be through central bank digital currencies in the future. So yeah, so I I, I think it's a, a, probably a dalliance. It's, there's an awful lot of pump and dumpers in that market. It's very closely held. It's not there's, not, there's not a big float of individuals or there's not a big float of Bitcoins transacted when you look at the, the totality of the units in that are that have been. So the float is quite small. That gets transacted a lot with a lot of people. So I do think it's, a, it's an interesting use case, but I do think the blockchain is where the real fireworks are going to be and and i'm really excited about that right but i think when you look at the drawbacks of uh, bitcoin people do recognize that and maybe there are other protocols that tackle it better but maybe where we were headed at least not long ago is that people recognize that bitcoin as a digital gold or as ethereum and other others as digital currencies that you can really use so is a Bitcoin a digital gold? How do you not compare it to a real gold? No, it's, I mean, they're, complete, they're, they're not even comparable. Gold is a physical, tangible asset that sits there that's indestructible. You can't destroy it. It's completely divorced of the, the financial system and the electronic infrastructure. Like it's, it, That's the great thing about gold. You can literally, you can exit the entire system and gold sits there. And I know people say you can put Bitcoin on a USB key, but in, in, in actuality, th- those tokens could be compromised and could be the could be deemed you know, illegal just by some authority somewhere because they were associated with some previous transactions. I mean, there's there's no, they're completely separate. I mean, I don't think they're anything like, I don't even think Bitcoin's an asset class. It's it's conceptual only, whereas gold is tangible, real, physical, and, and has been there for thousands of years. It has a huge history. No, I don't think it's digital gold at all. I don't think it needs to be. Gold does what it does. And Bitcoin's play was for, as a, as a, as a, as a unit of currency that you could use to transact faster outside of the financial system without paying fees to banks. 
banks. That's great and noble. I totally support that. But I don't think there's any comparison between the two. No, Bitcoin is probably, if you were to compare it, it's probably like a, a Model T car. It might be one of the first ever. And that's where, that's all it is. It'll be confined to history as, as an interesting thing. But you're not driving a Model T today. It just doesn't make any sense. All right. Uh, but then gold is like uh, driving a horse. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Maybe. Let's, let's move on. So what does Gold Core provide these days? So really, we are, we're all about empowering the customer. So if they choose, if they're students of history and they've traveled around and they might be a little bit skeptical about the, the news flow that they see and the stories that they read, and they're looking to take on a financial a hedge, basically to, to hedge the risk that they might have in their portfolio. Remember, gold is not a productive asset. It actually does nothing but really sits there. It doesn't really have a yield. For the most part, there are some structures in where you can lend out your gold, but for the most part, it just sits there and it's divorced from the financial system. And it's that distance, that separation that actually gives it its value. That's that's why. So most of our assets are dictated, their price and value and their yield is, sorry, is dictated based on their yield on how they're plugged into the ec- economic system. But gold is not at all. So it's that's what makes it valuable. That's why it's it's a good for in he, a hedge against inflation for the most part and deflation as well. So people, when they decide they want gold, they open up an account with Gold Core. They can do so in about three minutes. It's really, really quick. Then they go through documentation. That's very fast as well. They can buy a, a gold bar, have it stored in, in num, I think, one of 11 vaults around the world. And the, 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 they can do that with most companies. The big difference with Goldcore is our standard storage product is segregated, allocated, which means the bars sit on a shelf inside a receptacle allocated to the customer and their account number. And there they stay and they never mix with anybody else's assets. And they are never on Goldcore's balance sheet and they're outside the financial system. And they're available to be shipped out very quickly or sold over the phone very quickly. So it's it's a way of owning a, an asset that is outside the system in multiple jurisdictions around the world. Zurich, where you're, you're, you're speaking from, is one of our largest vault locations. But we also have London and New York and Cayman, and uh, we're also out in Singapore as well. They're the, probably the most um, popular. And we just recently opened up in Frankfurt as well, in Germany. So it's it's universal in terms of it's the case for gold in a portfolio. And we just make it as easy as possible to hold it and store it. And, and we've been around for 18 years, would you believe? And uh, we're very trusted. And we really try to do the, the best possible job for our customers. All right. So it's about holding, storing gold. What about trading? Because you've been around for a while. You have plenty of customers. So if I want to sell it to another gold core customer, is that easier then traditionally, if I need to sell my gold, which is in UBS world to a Credit Suisse world, or, or how does that work? Yeah, so it, the great thing about it is if you have gold stored with Goldcore and you decide you want to sell it in the future, you can get a live price from us. If you don't like that price, you could just instruct us to ship it to another vault or another dealer or a bank, whatever you want, where you can get a better price. And um, and we've lots of customers who send us gold from other companies and banks and and store with us because of the way we store. Because it's quite unusual to store it on a segregated, allocated basis. It's quite expensive to do it that way it's in terms of the process. But the yeah, it's, it's always we don't get in the way of our customers wanting to sell it, and we don't let them sell it to other people. They'd have to transfer it to to another dealer or to themselves before that we we transact because we don't want to fall foul of anti money laundering risks. But we'll always make a really good price, and uh, and most customers will always transact through us. We're very fair. All right, maybe let me follow up on one more point. You said shipping, shipping out because I thought. Most of the time, people actually don't move that gold. It sits in the same world. It's just the ownership title moves from one place to another. 
No. A lot of the time that is the case. And But some customers do like to have it delivered. And so maybe 40% of the time will actually deliver it out to customers to their address and then they would store it themselves. And the thinking is, it's not crazy. It's It probably was maybe 10 years ago, people would have thought so. But if the financial system was to come to a grind to a halt, and your smartphone didn't work and you couldn't get money out of your ATM machine or your access your bank. If you think about the reliance on technology now, just in the last five years or 10 years, it's unbelievable. So having a, a gold or silver physically to hand available to you allows you to perhaps interact with your local economy in a physical way, in an in a kind of extreme circumstance. Let's say the banking system or the currency had to reset or something like that over a week or two, you would be able to go to your local shop. You'd be able to put an ounce of gold down on the counter, the, maybe get credit from for that. This sounds, again, it's very unusual, but if you're sitting in Ukraine or Syria, this most recent conflict has taught us that uh, weaponization of the financial system now is firmly on the table for powers around the world. And so I would think that you're going to find these systems under attack or under management to a greater degree. And Therefore, the and this is a really important concept, it's, it's the personal financial sovereignty that an ounce of gold gives the individual is unbelievable and even makes you feel better about the world around you. So it's, it's a really important uh, thing. It's like the, you know, the antidote to technology is to have that physical form of value. You can't okay. get that with a Bitcoin. All right. So how do you distinguish yourself from your competitors? You said segregated. What else? We're, as I say, we're, we're one of the older firms out there at 18 years. We every, for the, Since 2012, we've asked every single customer and transaction to rate us and not obviously a good percentage do. And over that 12 years, we have, I think we have about maybe two and a half, three thousand reviews and we are 4.8 slash 4.9 out of five stars, and which is unbelievable. Like it's one of the highest in the industry. So we have great client satisfaction. The pricing is great. We deal with all the, the major mints and the major refiners. So we get really good quality stock and we can do it really fast. Coming from a banking and financial background, the once the customer gives us their currency, dollars or Swiss francs or whatever it is, we, our job, once that trade is placed, is to get it settled as fast as possible. And our systems and technology are very advanced, very dedicated to this whole straight through processing so we can get the, the deal done. Most recently, we had a, a really good win. We had a client who did about 800,000 US dollars worth of gold purchased, and we had it settled from the day we got, from the moment we got the trade instruction and the money hit their client assets account here, we had that trade settled in two hours and 14 minutes. And that's to say that we had the bars on the shelf in Zurich and all systems updated. We do something quite unusual as well as we actually give the client, so when they store a gold core, it's, that's great. You can log onto our platform and see your gold and your assets. But we also allow you to log into the vaulting company, their system independently of gold core. And, and then to inspect their records of what they hold that day and see all the serial numbers for the assets that are held in your sub-account. So that's quite unique. A lot of clients love to do that and just make sure that everything that we've sold them is in fact there. And that's why a lot of people are moving you know, to physical. They're selling ETFs, which are really great for trading, but they're not as good for long-term holding. And they're moving to Goldcore and they're transferring the assets across to us. So that's one of the keys to our success and one of the unique selling points of our company. And what's your technology angle? You said that you allow uh, connection to the uh, to the kind of a world company. Uh, yeah. You obviously separate and segregate the uh, the assets of your clients. How much do you leverage technology? How much of that is a, a good old IT infrastructure? 
Yeah, we, we have a, it's funny, it's, there's loads of different ways of recording data, but it's the, I think one of the, the key interesting things that we do is the, the data structure the the way data is is created in our system. I actually, when I go back to my early in my career, when we set up that general ledger system in for Bankers Trust, one of the keys to that was they did away with account numbers and they brought in mnemonics, systems of mnemonics. So you'd said like it was an asset, was it an equity or a bond? Was it uh, who owned it? Was it Rudolph or Stephen? Where is it located? Is it, is it a debit or credit? Is it being bought or sold? And basically, by using mnemonics and, and removing account numbers, they were able to create a much more valuable, powerful database structure that allowed you to drill down into transactions and manage data on a much more active basis. I actually borrowed from that methodology. And when we built Goldcore's central ledger for assets, that's the way it's structured. So every asset has, a, has an owner, it has a location, and it has a destination. And if the location and the destination are the same, the asset is considered stored. But if you just said, I want that moved home, that asset would then go Kilo Bar, owned by Rudolph, location Zurich, or sorry, location, let's say London, and destination Zurich. And so therefore, it would go on a list of assets to be moved out the door. And the idea is that you, by doing it this way, you create huge efficiencies of scale. You can manage many thousands of assets across multiple jurisdictions, currencies, clients, and locations. And that's how we've built it. It's very fast, very efficient, and, and it's very scalable. And so it's it, what's really interesting is it, it blockchain very much lends itself to this technology too. So we will be moving our ledger onto a blockchain ledger. And what's going to happen then is that kilo bar that you own, we can tell you everyone who owned it before, when it moved, when it was born, the truck it was on, the name of the truck driver, not that we disclosed that, but we could we could enrich the data for that kilo bar and tell you that it has an ESG certificate, that it's it's a certain quality, a certain refiner, and it's live. And then when you go to sell it to somebody else, all that data will come with it because that's the digital representation of that physical asset. So we actually have data going back, uh, all the way back 18 years on some of our assets, which have been bought and sold many times. All right, understood. And you mentioned that you have vaults all around the world. So clearly you have also clients all around the world. So how do you deal with compliance? And as a follow-up to this is that What's your regulatory status? Are you regulated in one way or another? How do no, we're not regulated because we're not providing an investment asset and because there's no cash flow that comes from gold. It's not actually a, a, an investment. It's akin to foreign exchange property in many respects. We're not regulated. Most dealers are not regulated. People come to us based on our longevity and our trust and our credentials in the market. We're probably the, one of the most trusted dealers out there, thank God. And uh, in terms of compliance, we're very strict. We're, we know that precious metals would would naturally attract a criminal element because they would be attracted to the tangible portability of gold across jurisdictions. So we're not we're not we're aware of that risk. So we're very careful on who our clients are, and we document them very carefully, and we interrogate all transactions, and we have a great relationship with the local authorities here in in Ireland, and uh, we take our responsibilities very seriously. But so basically, it's know your client, and and then make sure that transactions are in keeping with expectations and, and expected patterns. And if anything is, is out of whack, obviously we have our obligations in that regard. Yeah, no, we've, we're, we, our clients are fantastic and, and we're very careful who we deal with. All right, I see. So let's turn over to you then. How do you make money? So we there's two ways we make money. Typically, it's the in the transaction. So there's a spread on on gold. So we might buy a few million dollars worth of a particular product and 
have it sitting there ready to go. We buy it at a rate and then we sell it at a rate plus a margin. And that margin then is dictated by uh, the market forces at the time. And and so we make money there. And then when people store with us, we would have a kind of a, a storage contract value that we pay for storage services. And then we charge a margin on top of that as well. And they're the two ways we, we make money as a business. We don't sell data. We're very privacy aware. Our clients are sanctimoned to us. We would never sell their data or uh, interfere with their privacy at all in any way. So it's just transactional and it's the storage income as well. All right. Understood. So yes, you're not selling any CCTV footage, okay? No. <laughs> but in our storage program, we, we have some really great technology that we're working on to that will really uh, uh, empower the customer and talk about and speak to the kind of tangible nature of what's there. And, uh, and we want to enrich that data record as well, which you spoke about before, so that they can, it's not just a kilo bar there, they can actually show the providence of that kilo bar all the way through. So we're really excited about those sort of things that we're working on. And, uh, and this year, we're hopefully rolling out a few of those projects as well. Fantastic. Looking back, you've been at it, you said, for 18 years. That should give me the 2004, of course. But in any case, when you're looking back, you grew your business to a size that many entrepreneurs would dream about. So what are the key elements of a successful entrepreneurship journey that you would like to share? I think it's very important to look after your health, your your mind or your body and spirit and to be able to be the best version of yourself so that you can push ahead. I think being honest, truthful is very important always and to have your principles, not to be taking the shortcut and, and with the truth. So you have to be true to yourself and to the people around you. I think you surround yourself by smarter people who would espouse with the same kind of principles and, and then you work hard, but you also need to define a niche where you have a comparative advantage in terms of knowledge and experience that you can bring to the table and people will always find you. If your product is, is pro priced properly and the quality is good and your, your reputation is strong, clients will crawl over hot coals to deal with you. And that's really important to know that you have to get that key offering competitive offering and always seek to add value in that regard. Yeah, it's really important. Good people, a good self and, and, and never stop trying to develop. You can't sit on your laurels ever, especially in a fast global economy that we spoke about earlier. There's innovation all the time. If you don't innovate, you die. Great stuff. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Now, before we wrap up, I just have two easy questions. First of all is, do you have any favorite business book that you would like to recommend, whether that relates to precious metals or not? In any case, something that people can read upon and put this into a context. Mm. Yeah, there's a great book there, The ABCs of Gold, which it's a, it's a great starting book from the States. The USA Gold, they actually wrote it. They're a competitor of ours, but they're a fantastic company. And you should definitely try and buy that. I think it was Michael Casares, I think, if I remember correctly. That's a great way of starting to learn about gold. And, and what was the second question? That was it. So whether that's question, a book related to precious metals or entrepreneurship or leadership, doesn't matter. Yeah, there's a there's I think one of my favorite books at the moment. It's non-business, but it's a really good one to to get your your teeth into is a non-violent communication, which is a really badly named book, but it's a chap called Marshall Rosenberg wrote it, and it's all about conflict. But it's it talks about how to speak with people and how to communicate and learning how to talk, because our language these days is so combative and so judgmental and that's actually not a natural state for humans and if you're going to start a business and work in a business in a complex organization you have to know how to speak with people and not to them not at them so non-violent communication I, I actually i have an audiobook version of it and i listen to it every year to remind myself just how to how to get the best out of every relationship i have oh brilliant that sounds great so thanks so much now no 
What is the best way to reach out for people and that they want to get in touch with you? Or what kind of people would you like to hear from most? Um, it's goldcore.com and all our contact details are on there, goldcore.com. And we have a $5,000 minimum, a 5,000 Swiss franc minimum and euro. But if you're looking to learn about gold, we will talk to you. Uh, even if you decide not to become a customer, we'll definitely guide you through the options that you have. We do a great strategy session where there's no hard sale, by the way. None of our salespeople are actually paid a commission to sell gold, which is a quite unique as well because we don't think we can serve our clients that way which is really about you know providing a great service that's what they're incentivized to do so the i would say call us up and have a strategy session with us and we'll ask you about five or six questions as just like the ones you asked me try to really get to the nub of it and try to understand what the motivation for owning gold or what that concern is and if it's a fit we'll tell you which way you should go and um, if it's not we'll tell you so as well most of our clients come from that service level the relationship they send their friends and family to us and that's how we've grown our business fantastic thank you so much Stephen, and good luck to you and gold core yeah, thank you so much, Rudolph. There's also, sorry, you should also check out our YouTube channel, Goldcore TV. There's some really great uh, interviews up there too, and you can learn an awful lot. And it's uh, there's no heavy sale uh, either. It's very informative. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Rudolph. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.